Hey everyone, Tover here. So, fun fact, we did not realize that we had recorded this episode to drop on the same week as National Disability Awareness Week. Uh, we are covering Run 2020, the Hulu original film starring Sarah Paulson and Kira Allen. And Kira Allen is a disabled actress, and we're a huge fan of hers right now. And can't wait to see what she does next. But yeah, just to let you know, this is a weird, fun, happy accident. And Nicole and I both are so excited for you to listen to this episode. We really enjoyed recording it. And please, please, please. And just to let you know, Nicole and I are actually really stoked on our happy accident of an episode that happened to come out the same week as Disability Awareness Week. So we hope you enjoy the episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. And we hope you look more into the resources that we will have linked in the episode's footnotes. All love, and we love you so much. Talk to you in a second. Bye, babes. Did you ever watch American Horror Story? Uh, first couple seasons and part of the third. Yeah, about the same for me. I actually, I, uh, I saw Sarah Paulson once. Um, I was working in... I, the Mark Hotel Ooh. on the east side, which that place is swanky as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of similar to the Carlisle. It's it's one of those hotels. I have no frame of reference for this. It's it's pretty cool, actually. They have like a restaurant and bar down there that if I made big bucks, I would definitely go to. It's kind of cool. Like the decor is really interesting. It's like very modern. It's cool. Neat. But it also feels old New York-y somehow. Hmm. I don't know. I, th- I kind of think drinking in bars, is uh, like in hotel bars, is old New York-y for some reason. It is. I mean, it's what's like just sort of advertised through film and TV. True. Kind of like being the thing. And Gossip Girl. Yeah, that's true. I think that's kind of the vibes that I get from it. But I was getting into the elevator and Sarah Paulson and I don't remember who she was with. I didn't recognize her who partner? she was with. It might have been her partner. I'm not sure. Um, um, Hinden, no, not Hinden Walsh. That's Adventure Time. Um, she's a very good actor. Holland something. Holland Taylor. It could have been. It really could have been. I just didn't recognize the person. They were They were kind of, you know, they were doing the celebrity incognito thing. But Sarah Paulson is just so, you can't mistake her for someone else. The way that she talks and like she just has certain features that you really can't mistake for someone else. And I was freaking out on the inside a little bit, but uh, (laughs) because I was watching American Horror Story at the time as well. So I was kind of internally freaking out, but I definitely kept my cool. And she like even, you know, she was very nice. I mean, even though I didn't talk to her, she just kind of turned around and she just kind of like nodded her head and smiled. She wasn't being like weird. Dope. She was she was kind of like you probably recognize who I am. Yeah. But, so I'm just gonna nod and say you know. Hello. She was tall as she seems. Yeah, she's very okay. tall. She's very tall. That's how it was when I met Nicole Kidman. I was like, Good lord, you are just right at eye level with me, huh? Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't know if they're the same height, but to me, Sarah Paulson was tall. Yeah. Um, I'm like five six. If that gives anyone any reference, <laughs> but yeah, she seemed really nice. Uh, I I am definitely a fan of hers. Yeah, she tends to be a very good actor in things that are not up to her uh, caliber, like yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, but I also, as an actor, would read this script and be like, "All right, yep, yeah, all in." You know. I hear you. So I guess that should say what we're doing today. I guess so. Uh, Hey, babe. 
It's the 2020 um, Hulu release, but yeah. it was it was bought off of Lionsgate mm-hmm. uh, because it was supposed to be released in theaters. But hey, quarantine and Corona and all of that yada, yada. prevented that from happening. So just like Palm Springs, um, Hulu has been kind of just buying all of these films to release on streaming. Yeah, it's what Netflix does. They'll they'll get a film that's nearly done. Yeah. And then buy it. Yes. And finish like finish putting in the money for the production so that it can be distributed as a Netflix film. Yeah, exactly. So we'll be doing our normal format here. Uh, if you're new, here's what it is. Topher will give us the rundown of who made this thing, talking about the cast and crew and good shout outs. And then I will take us through the plot. And then we will dive into a further analysis of the movie itself. Yeah. So as Nicole said, this is a... 2020 release from Hulu. It actually just came out uh, about a week ago, from uh, nine days ago as of recording right now. True. Uh, it was November 20th, 2020. Um, it was originally supposed to be released on Mother's Day in theaters, but again, COVID. Oh, it was supposed to be released on Mother's Day? That's that's a good touch. It's a little on the <laughs> nose, but good touch. Bit much, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is the second feature film from Anish Chikanti, mm-hmm. who frequently collaborates with Sevohanian. Uh, previously, they did Searching, starring John Cho and Deborah Messing together. Kept meaning to see it, never did, got really good reviews. It's a cool kind of like, it was all done through uh, like computer screens and smartphones. Okay. So it's a really cool way of like making a film. Um, yeah, I didn't something see it. people really praised it for, but they said the core story was really solid as well. Nice. Uh, and then production was from Sevohanian and Natalie Kasabian, who also collaborated on Searching. Sevohanian's probably best known for working. Uh, several times with Ryan Coogler. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked on Fruitvale Station as a producer and then uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Okay. So that's kind of like where he's coming from. Uh, he and Natalie Kasabian are both Armenian Americans mm-hmm. who are working together in the production and writing sphere. And then Anish Chikanti is an Indian American filmmaker. Right. Um, so this is our first time actually covering a movie done by an Indian American person. Wonderful. Yeah. It's nice to be able to explore some more diverse films in the horror genre. Absolutely. We and there did, you know, Karan Kasama. Yeah. Yeah. And there there needs to be more of that Definitely. as well. Definitely. Um, but it's nice to see it happening, you know? Um, yeah. I'm glad that we're, you know, seeing more and more of that. I would argue that Boots Riley's uh, Sorry to Bother You borders on a horror film. I think we should cover that on horror or not at some point. That would be really cool because that... Oh my god! If you guys haven't seen that, go watch it. It's, That's so fucking good. It was one of our first dates. Sure was. Uh, we went to go see that and both loved it. Uh, the twist in it is amazing, but and just every other part of it's incredible too. It just it just it's keeps really going well really well. Yeah, especially for our first attempt from Brutes Riley, who was a musician before that. Or oh my has god, been a musician 100%. for a long time. Like yeah, from the world building to the twist, like it's actually it's it's yeah, it's awesome. Direction in the acting, the writing's really well done. The Hell, the costuming is amazing. Costuming's like, amazing. Tessa Thompson just keeps oh fucking God. serving in that. I mean, we all love her. I don't know a single person that doesn't. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but back to back to this movie. <laughs> yeah. So um, as you said, Lionsgate was the original uh, production company. Mm-hmm. Um, was bought out by Hulu, but it was still uh, Lionsgate still got the distribution credit. 
Uh, tight runtime, 89 minutes. I don't know what the budget was, but it's so far made a million dollars. I also don't know how it's made money because it's on Hulu. Yeah, well, and apparently it uh, it it surpassed Palm Springs on like yeah. the number of uh, streams in its initial weekend. Yeah, which is interesting to me. I love Palm Springs so so much. That's another one that I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna tell you anything about it. Please just go watch it. Yeah, uh, it's kind of similar to Sorry to Bother You, and that way you need to go into it not knowing anything. Definitely. Um. So yeah, go watch that one as well. But it, I think also Palm Springs kind of came out very silently. It was kind of a sleeper. Like it's one of those things that like um I, I kept seeing from comedy friends in L.A. Mm-hmm. Like I would they see it all over their Twitter of just like don't know anything, just go watch it. And I was like, all right, well that's good enough for me. From who from yeah. who that advice was coming from, right? Yeah, I want to say that this one got way more digital hype because it was funny. Once I started writing the subway again, I saw all the Palm Springs ads, right? And so I was like, oh, this is just. It, it was just like bad timing because mm-hmm. like not many people were taking the subway at the point where Palm Springs came out. Yeah. And that's where all the ads were. I never saw one digitally. For Palm I, Springs. Yeah. No, I Palm just Springs. saw it on Hulu. and was like, I don't know what this is. It just says Andy Samberg and yeah. Miliati. So I'm in, but. And then I saw whenever I would watch any YouTube video, I would see like a trailer for this or a mini right. something for this. So yeah. this just had way more of a reach you know? Yeah. It could just be the algorithm, too, since, you know, we do run a horror podcast. True. So it stars Kira Allen and Sarah Paulson. Um, mm-hmm. Kira Allen, has, I think this is her first feature, but yeah, she's, she's done stage before. But, exactly. That's what um, I was going to say. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, you're good. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and then Sarah Paulson, who is obviously we've started up top with and uh, is very, very, very famous. Yeah. Um, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of other side actors in here. But um, only a few people with speaking lines. Mm-hmm. So I would say it really just focuses on the two of them the entire time. Yeah. On Hulu, it is not listed as a horror film. It's listed as a thriller. On Wikipedia, it is listed as a horror film. So you know what? Shut the fuck up and don't at me. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that all thrillers are horror films because you've got the sub-sub genre of yes. psychological thriller, which is not does not always register as a horror film. But this one is very obvious. You read the plot Fucking and it's up and down. very obviously yeah. a horror script. So that is why we are covering it on um, our movie analysis portion and not horror or not. Yep. Because yep. it's uh, there's just no question to me. You know, like there's, there's plenty no of question. movies that are no. maybe borderline movies, but I have no, I can't think of a single argument that would make me agree that it's not a horror film. Yeah. I can't think of it. You know, there's certain ones that we, we don't cover on horror or not because they may be on the borderline, but there's no good arguments for why they aren't horror. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. You can say like, oh, well, it doesn't say that it's horror. It's like, yeah, but it, it is horror. Yeah. Walks like a duck, talks like a duck, etc. Right? 100%. So I think that that's where this one definitely falls. I agree. Um, again, it is listed on Wikipedia as a horror film, and that's one of the uh, it's one of the, the rules I have for horror now. Yeah. If you're going to come in with something that's not one, it can't say that it is. Anywhere. On, yeah. 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 Absolutely. So the music was from Torin Barrowdale, mm-hmm. uh, who also did the music for Searching. The cinematography was done by Hilary Fife or Fifa Spera. Okay. I have no idea how to pronounce that full name, nor do I have any biographical information about them. I do not know uh, their gender expression, anything. Um, Great cinematography, though. Yes. Liked a lot of the shots. Yeah, and they've done some pretty cool stuff before. Um, They worked on American Juggalo, Black Rock, a cool little short called I Don't Want to Go Into the Darkness. Okay. um, That came out about eight years ago, I want to say. And yeah, I mean, this has been sort of their biggest one recently, other than The Craft Legacy. 
and is going to be... Oh, I want to see that. Yeah, and just shot the the Lost Boys Cool. Uh, remake. Cool. So that's basically everything on who done this Great. damned thing. Then I will dive right into plot. So we've got Miss Diane Sherman, played by Sarah Paulson. Mm-hmm. Uh, we open with her in the hospital. She's in the uh, maternity ward. Mm-hmm. She is looking at... A very small baby. A piece of beef jerky. Pretty much. It's sad. Uh, That has been clearly born prematurely and is not alive anymore. Yeah, it's in the NICU. Yes. Neonatal intensive care unit. Yeah. Thank you. I had to be there. Yeah. Thank you. And (laughs) (laughs) And... So then we, we don't spend much time here. We just, it sets us up. Yep. Um, but as an audience member, you assume that baby's dead because she's holding it crying. It's it's not good. Yeah. It's not looking good. We don't know where the father in this situation has gone. No mention of him whatsoever. Not at any point, really. Mm-hmm. So it's really just focusing on a woman and her baby at this point. Yeah. There's um, some very, very tiny text, uh, white text, black screen that just lists a series of medical conditions. Oh my God. The squinting I had to do <laughs> to read this nearsighted problems. So yeah, it says arrhythmia, hemochromatosis, mm-hmm. diabetes, and paralysis. Yeah. Um, arrhythmia being, yeah, irregular heartbeat. Yeah, hemochromatosis is a, a blood disorder, hemo, yeah. and then chroma something, not yeah. color, but something, you know. Yeah. Uh, then we know what diabetes and paralysis are. So mm-hmm. so now we skip forward to about like 17 years later and we right. see that Diane is homeschooling and pretty much serves as the only the caretaker for yeah. her daughter, Chloe, who's played by Kira Allen. Then we kind of get this montage of her mourning. She is she's clearly suffering from all of these things that we saw in the white text prior to this. And she's taking a lot of pills. She's a wheelchair user. Mm-hmm. She gets very nauseous. And, and it's very clear that she pukes every morning. Right. And she, she takes a puff of her inhaler and et cetera. Right. So you see her she, with the uh, uh, blood, measuring her blood sugar. Yeah. 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 So she's got, she's got a, a stiff routine here. So she's waiting on, an, on a letter from the colleges, namely University of Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, we get an idea that she's very into um, robotics and engineering. And so she Great wants... Great school for that. Yeah. So obviously she wants to go there, but it, it, we kind of get the idea that she, you know, as a, you know, a lot of high schoolers do, that she's applied to a lot of places. So she could right. be getting a letter and... Her mom is being really weird about it. She's like, she's like, ah, don't go get, don't go get the mail. I'm gonna get it, and if I see a letter, I then will close my eyes I will and deliver it to you. Yeah. yeah, which already I'm like, ah, that's controlling. Why, why can't you let your kid get the mail? Right. You know, like, what are you hiding? Like, already, you're. I mean, the opening of this movie already is just like, okay, I think I think I know what's gonna happen, but uh, we just see it unfold here, and we kind of just, we kind of just see. They do a really good job, actually, of setting up, like, their day-to-day life because right. it takes a while for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, so, there's just a whole lot of, like, it, like it's just what homeschooling looks like. And her mom yeah. runs off into town. She gets an hour or, what, half an hour of computer time a day. She yeah. doesn't have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. All that sort of stuff. Yeah. So then uh, one day Chloe finds uh, these green pills that has her mother's name on them, which is weird because Chloe's the only one in the house that takes pills so or so she thinks you know right and her when she asks her mom about this her mom gives her some bullshit about like 
that's the receipt. That's why my name's on it. They're for you. It's yeah. trigoxin or yeah. whatever. And it's your new medicine from your doctor. He just prescribed it to you four days ago. Um, and then she's like, but it had your name on it. Like, she's not stupid. Yeah. Um, it is funny. The The doctor's name is Dr. Kasabian. Mm-hmm. So named for the producer, Natalie Kasabian. Oh, amazing. <laughs> I just, I, I realized that. And I was like, oh, yeah, Kasabian works on all these. And of course, her doctor's name is Dr. Kasabian. Right. It's funny. So Chloe is very sus and is trying to, <laughs> she's like, that's suspicious. So she's trying to research what the heck trigoxin is. Uh, but the internet is down and we get this awesome shot of it. Like she sneaks downstairs, you know, um, to get on the family computer. And we get this shot of Sarah Paulson just very creepily sitting at the dining room table and watching Chloe try to get on the internet. But the internet is down. Uh, So in my my mind... uh, In the words of Strong Bad, the system is down. The system is down. The system... Is down. Sorry, it's an old, old school throwback for all of my millennials out there. We love, we love. So as an audience member, you're like, oh, shit, this bitch is ahead of the curve. She's like, oh, she's getting suspicious. I can't, you know, a lot of things are hinging on this. So she, you know, we're like, you don't just magically have an internet outage. So I mean, maybe in like rural Washington, you might. I don't know. But it's but just a little too timely. It's suspicious. It is suspicious. So Chloe decides to re- to resort to calling a stranger. Yeah, she ask. tries to call 411 first and realizes yes. it's going to cost money. But that's the little Stephen King reference they throw in. Mm. It's the voiceover of the things like, for example, say Derry, Maine. <laughs> that was a good movie phone voice. Thank you. I've listened to it a lot. Yeah. Um also, again, for the younger listeners, movie phone is the thing you used to have to call to find out uh, what sh- when showtimes were if you didn't have the newspaper. Yep. Because we didn't have the internet. Yep. So. Truth. <laughs> um, I, I remember it well. So she calls a stranger to ask to search for the what the drug is used for, et cetera, like WebMD, right. like let me know. Um, and she learns that trigoxin treats heart conditions but is actually a red pill Mm, it's not mm -hmm. it's not this green and gray pill that she saw in the in the in the tube Uh uh-oh uh-oh yeah she freaks out which i would too because it's a really nice that's a nice reveal there too of like she's like yeah trigoxin treats heart conditions blah 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 and then you just see her freaking out yeah. And you don't know why until there's a nice little reveal over the phone. The tomato. They yeah. switch to the tomato because yep. Sarah Paulson's like gardening. And I was like, red. It's red. And then they, then you hear him say to the phone, like, little red pill. Little red pill. Yep. And oh, my God. he gets pissed and hangs up. And she's just like dropped the phone and his head He's like, hands. that's all you needed to know. That's it. And, <laughs> she, and yeah, she just drops the phone. Now, you know, she's uh, she's like, okay, uh the lies are upon lies are upon lies. It's just snowballing here. And just a big old shower of lies. And of course, she's like, Mom, when was the last time we saw a movie? Because she just wants to get out of the house. Yeah, which is um, a callback to earlier when her mom says the same thing to get out of an awkward conversation. Yep. Deaf. And uh, her mom is very good at getting out of awkward conversations or, or right. dancing around the answer. She's very good at it. It's like she's a master manipulator. Oh, weird. <laughs> weird. Huh. So it's not suspicious at all. Right. What? So Chloe's like, let's go see a movie, you know. Um, but her her MO is to sneak across the street to go to the pharmacy and yeah. uh speak with Mrs. Bates. Mm-hmm. Sound familiar, guys? 
it's also that her full name is Kathy Bates too. Amazing. Which is nice. Like it's just drenched in reference and it's kind of silly, but it's the kind of silly that I like. Yeah. So after she, she skips the line at the pharmacy because it's ungodly long. Um, of course, <laughs> as it always is, I was like, Oh yeah, been there. And she, after, after, uh, being extremely smart and quick, she, phrases it as like oh it's 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 a game because she sees the pharmacist has a photo on her her workstation that's like her in an escape room with family so games yeah she's like (laughs) i love games but i can't tell you it's confidential because it was under her mother's name right and then we learn we get another really cool reveal that's like this wasn't prescribed for her it was prescribed for your dog and then chloe you know like is like what and she's like what does it do (laughs) yeah we don't have a dog and so chloe learns that it's a muscle relaxant for dogs which if and she asks you know what would happen if a human took it and she said well i would imagine leg paralysis yeah uh and then at this very moment diane bursts through the pharmacy door and is screaming for chloe Chloe has an asthma attack um, and her mother injects her with like a sedative. Right. And it's it's insane. How did she... I mean, of course she knew that she was at the pharmacy. She knows she's suspicious, but like also... It's, at, there's, it's one strip downtown too. Like where is she going to, going to have snuck off to, you know? Yeah. It's just kind of crazy how quickly it all happens because yeah. she tells her mom she's going to the bathroom. So in order for her mom like to get to the point where she's like, oh, she's been gone a really long time. And then what if she's hurt in the bathroom? She goes to check the bathroom and then she's like, oh, she's at the pharmacy. Like, I don't know. But I get it dramatically why it has to happen. Right. So Chloe wakes up from, you know, uh, sedation and (laughs) finds that her mom is, is, is not home. But Chloe is like so locked in her bedroom, not even just the lock. She There's a literal foe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She like, uses her Alan Riches to pick the lock, which is super cool. Yeah, yeah. Feels I'll, like she's done it before. I will talk but, about how awesome of a character Chloe is. Yeah, but yeah. So, so she is like bound and just tied in her room, like just, <laughs> just cannot get out. There's just no way. And the phone is cut off. Like we, we see a lot of different things that it, obviously Sarah Paulson's character Diane has has, has thought of everything. <laughs> yeah, she's cut the phone line. She's uh, uh, ripped the wires out of the. The wheelchair lift. Yep. Mm-hmm. So Chloe uh, escapes the house. Uh, it's very, it's it's very tough. Um, she hooks her wheelchair down the stairs and then her, and then yeets herself. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, like she definitely could have done that a little more gently. She just yeets. <laughs> oh, head over heels. <laughs> head over heels down the fucking stairs. So yeah, it's this elaborate, really cool, smart plan where you're like, what is she doing? She's on the roof at some point. She's, yeah, she eats herself down the flight of stairs, but she eventually escapes is the point. And she flags down the mailman and she tells him everything. Mm -hmm. And then in a very scary scene, Diane is driving down the road and Chloe is in plain sight, but can't move in time. And so she's like, you know, basically hyperventilating and saying, you know, like she saw me, she saw me. And then Diane comes out, gets out of her car and is, you know, yelling at the mailman saying like, you know, who's going to believe you? 
Like you're yeah. an old man with like a child. And it, she's basically claiming that everyone would think that he is an a kidnapper or child rapist. Child rapist. Yeah. Like like all of all of these things. And so unfortunately, before he can even take Chloe to the police, uh, Diane attacks them both in the driveway, killing the mailman. He's yeah. dead. Like at first I was like, is he? But then she's well, like she, dragging the body. She has that big old uh, handgun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, she stabs him with a sedative. Yeah. Which this bitch has always got sedatives. So, <laughs> she yeah. is always just ready with a syringe full of something to knock somebody out. She's stacked. Yeah. We also had seen her earlier uh, researching household neurotoxins. Yes, that is important to note. Um, and then, okay, so. Because cl- we see her like rehearsing. Sorry. Yeah. We see her rehearsing over the phone. Or what we think we think she's on the phone, but it turns out she drops her hand and there's no phone in it. And so she's just rehearsing what she's trying to say to the doctor to get her to prescribe something for Chloe that'll keep her. Like she realizes how insane her plan is. She also rehearses, yeah. like types up an email to Mrs. Bates multiple times. Yeah. So like she's and, like, lost it. control of the entire yeah. narrative that she has spun for 17 years. Yeah. She knows that she can't like she she is at her she's back to the wall here right like she knows she's gonna yeah. be found out one way or another because uh the the pharmacist witnessed all of this yeah there's a dead mailman in her living room like <laughs> yeah it's spun out of control so i i want to back up really quickly because i just remembered this part of the movie where she's in a class or a group of some sort where they're all talking about their children going off to college. Oh, yeah, it's and all the parents of the homeschoolers. Yes, yeah. and it's, it's yeah, it's a group that she goes to, um, and they're all, you know, talking about how they feel about their children leaving home, and some people are a little, you know, stressed out about it, some people mm-hmm. are upset, and all of this, but she... She says this extremely creepy, like looking back, creepy line where she says, no, you know, I've, I've taken care of Chloe for 17 years and haven't been able to fall in love or travel or do any of these things. And now she's about to be able to do all of the above. And and then, you know, y- you get the moment of like everyone being like, well, but you're not like worried. And she's like, what? Because she's a wheelchair user or that's implied. Yeah. Um, but then she says this line that's, she says, Chloe is one of the most capable people on this planet, which is creepy in hindsight where, because she knows that she is. Yeah. It's her who has been giving her, uh, these pills that have caused the leg paralysis that have caused. So looking back, that line is incredibly creepy. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so uh, fast forward, we're going back to about the middle of the movie. Chloe is, wakes up again and is, you know, imprisoned. Now she is in the basement. Her wheelchair is chained. And this is where she discovers the acceptance letter in the trash. We all knew this was coming. It was just like, where is she hiding it? Is is she going to shred it? Is she, you know, like, where is it going? But there's also a box of photos and documents uh, that proves that Diane's real daughter died two hours after birth. Mm -hmm. We also get that creepy scene in the beginning where Diane grabs a glass of wine and goes downstairs to like the basement and watches these home videos yeah and there's there's the dialogue is something along the lines like the dialogue i can't remember what it is in the home video but it makes diane just like frown like yeah ugly angry frown so weird so we get a newspaper clipping of 
a photo of two very upset, distressed parents. We find out that Diane stole Chloe from a hospital as a baby. Yep. And that Chloe could walk as a child. Right. So Diane gets into the basement and Chloe confronts her with all of these things that she's just learned. And this is where Chloe accuses Diane of, you know, inflicting, you know, a, a, a not real disorder. Uh, yeah, it's it's a Munchausen's by proxy is kind of the common name yes, for it. Yes, absolutely. Which is, we've had a, we'll talk about Mommy Dead and Dearest and the other one um, with Chloe, not Chloe, no. Chloe. The act. Wasn't that what it was called? The dramatization of it with Gypsy Blanchard? Well, there's also, there's also, um... That show with Amy Amy Adams, um, Sharp Objects. Yes, I didn't that see also yeah. had a Munchausen's by proxy. Oh, storyline. I believe, unless I'm just confusing everything I watched during oh, sorry, that. Time. That just reminds me. Uh, I was watching. Uh, I finally watched the Between Two Ferns movie the other night mm-hmm. when you were sleeping and I couldn't. And uh, Adam Scott is in it briefly. Mm. And uh, Zach Galifianakis just goes, wait, wait, listen, listen. Do you hear that? And it's just silent. He goes, that's the people talking about your performance in Sharp Objects. <laughs> I like Sharp Objects. I never watched it, but I just thought it's a good joke. It just reminded me of that. That's funny. I I, I liked it. Or was I, it Big Little Lies that he was in? Oh, God. I'm going to the same thing in my mind. Yeah, They're the same thing these. in my mind. So she accuses her of, you know, the Munchausen's by proxy, pretty yeah. much, and wonders if she was ever actually ill. And Diane denies, of course, everything and minimizes the kidnapping. It's, there's a lot of gaslighting here. There's yeah, a lot she of says, I didn't steal up. you. I rescued you. Like, yeah, she yeah. just keeps going on and on. And like, I had to protect you. I which, was, you're my baby. Which Diane is off her fucking rocker because she actually believes that. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. She very much believes that she yeah. has lost it. Lost it. And Grief does really bad things to a brain, but for 17 fucking years? Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ. It's in, it's it's a lot. Like, she, uh, I remember Chloe says, like, um, you're not my real mother, and Diane just screams, like, don't you fucking say that, or whatever she says. Like, how yeah. dare you say that, or something like that. I am your mother. And it's like this weird sort of reversal of the adoption narrative, right? Yeah. Or like, um, like a step-parent who's taken care of you since you were a child. If your you know, parent ran out or died or something like that. And you say like, well, you're not my real parent. And it's like, yeah, 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 I fucking am. Yeah. I'm the one who's been here. Yeah. Which is that like frequent narrative of like the deadbeat dad comes back and they're like trying to figure out like, are you my real parents? Are you not? Or whatever. Yeah. And then it's like, no, no, no. like uh, Angels in the Outfield fucking does it. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it's a really common trope. So it was cool to see that as a reversal here. Mm-hmm. Where, no, Chloe's right. You're not her real mother, and you've taken care of her, kind of, but only from problems that you created. Yeah, it's it's pretty wild. Sorry. No, yeah. no, don't apologize. Um, we also find out that Sherman's not her real last name. Yeah. Which yeah. is a strange... Well, they've been, well I we guess figure she out, we find to out that be on the moved, run. Yeah, we've, they've been moving towns. Yeah. This is not the first time they've done this. Yeah. Because Diane's been packing everything up. Yes. So... Um, Diane uh, has, she fills a syringe that she's been mixing with like paint thinner and some sort of brown liquid. I'm not entirely sure what it is. On like a hot plate in the basement. Like she's got all these chemical formulas written everywhere. It's crazy. Yeah. It's just not, she's not well. No, not in any, in any capacity. Uh, so Chloe escapes from this 
hell that's about to be inflicted upon her and quickly drinks like a, a poison. She says, you need me. And yeah. she like drinks this really fast. And Diane's like, no. Yeah. She just drinks straight turpentine. Uh, which again <laughs> is uh, seems really stupid in the moment, but like she needs to go to a hospital and this is the only way that she's going to get there. Yeah. So she's, you know, coughing up the black stuff immediately. And then, you know, she has to go Ugh. get her stomach pumped and you know, all that. And it really? counts as a suicide attempt, yeah. Yes. So they, you know, at the hospital, they do everything that they have to do with a suicide attempt. They have to put her under watch. They have to a- ask her questions. They have mm-hmm. to, you know. Talk with a therapist, yeah. Do all of this. So once she's uh, stabilized, she's she's still intubated, though. So she can't really speak with anyone. Um, so Diane, who is, again, armed with this gun that she's had, uh, kidnaps Chloe again. Yeah. And because there's a code blue that happens and the nurse has to run out and leave Chloe alone while she's trying to write with a crayon. Oh, and she just like pulls everything out and and Oof. is like, breathe. And it's like, oh, yeah. Ugh. If you've never been intubated or you don't know what uh, an intubation like the tube is, it's like nine inches down your throat. It is. We've all seen. Well, maybe not. Um, but they, they've been showing a lot of that with, you know, the warnings about COVID. Like, mm-hmm. do you, is the mask really that uncomfortable? Look at what happens when you're intubated. Yeah. Um, Can so, do a lot of damage to your throat, too, if it's done if it's done incorrectly. Oh, 100 percent. So then Chloe, Chloe realizes she is actually on the University of Washington's medical campus. Hmm. Um, and she finally got there. Yeah. She gains a little bit of strength. Mm-hmm. I think she. I think that's a huge symbol for her. It's like her. a resolve moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a huge moment for her, and she manages to use her feet and just like stops the wheelchair from going. Right. She she active she engages like the the foot brake that's on the wheelchair, and and you see that she's really struggling with it, but she's got so much conviction. So she's you know she's stopping Diane from pushing her wheelchair and this buys her a lot of time for security to finally get to them and diane falls down the flight of stairs well she pulls the gun on them and cocks it and the security guard's like oh not today he doesn't even hesitate (laughs) no hesitation he doesn't hesitate bad to do bad don't shoot people like that but i get it in his moment he gets her in the shoulder it's a fatal shot yeah but she falls down all the stairs. She does. She does. And then... Um, it's just, it was just funny. Like the, There was no like talking down. It's She cocks that gun and he's like, fuck this. I'm not dying for this bitch. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So then we're, we flash forward again seven years later. Yeah. We see that Chloe is going through some sort of security here. Uh, she gets out of the wheelchair. She's she's gained partial use of her legs. Yeah. She's using... um. um the arm braces. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And she goes and visits Diane, who is bedridden in prison and still calls her mom. But like but accusingly. Then, well, then you, you get like a, it, it gets very like s- sinister mm-hmm. from Chloe. And Chloe just updates Diane about her life. Uh, she's clearly she's uh, she's married. She has a kid. Uh, she's working on some really cool work with her engineering. Uh, she's she's developing prosthetics for children. Yeah, and gets to actually put them on too. Like she's not just on the engineering side. She actually is a doctor. It seems like she's and like, doing yeah. really well. Like yeah. this is all just and like doing the thing that she always wanted to have and do things for kids that are actually afflicted by the the condition her mother pretended she had until she had it. Yeah. 
And then this badass bitch uh, reveals the dog medication and she smuggled it into the prison with, uh, it has like a saran wrap around it and she's Mm -hmm. had it, you know, under her tongue or, you know, whatever. And she forces it on Diane intending for her to suffer just like she did. Yeah, it starts off, and the end of this is like really funny because it was, it it really felt like, and I was really pissed that it was going to be the sort of like um, um, forgiveness narrative. Yeah. And it's the opposite. That it's like, oh, no, 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 you switched that. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's the movie. Yeah, that's the movie. And yeah, I feel like I would, I, I feel like we can't cover this without talking about Mommy Dead and Dearest yeah, and the yeah. act. And we've briefly, as like a society, gotten obsessed with this Munchausen's and and by proxy syndrome or, you yeah, know. Munchausen's by proxy, yeah. And, and all of this. Um it, well, because Mommy Dead and Dearest is a true story. Exactly. Yeah. We, I loved that documentary. Um, it's fucked up. Uh, it was, it, I mean, it's so, it's fascinating because I think, especially if you grew up in the 90s, you remember at least seeing her face. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely everywhere. It was everywhere. It was a big national news story about, yeah, Gypsy Blanchard's uh, confinement by her mother and then eventual escape to... Uh, murder of murder her mother and, and then escape to what Minnesota right is where she ends up I think so before I, they go back down to Louisiana and get caught I think she's out of prison I think so too I think she she was up for parole recently yeah and I think her her boyfriend slash accomplice is there for life or something yeah because he actually performed the murder yeah she was um, an accomplice yeah. really yeah I guess an accessory I don't know um I'm not a, I'm not a legal a person. motivator I'm not sure <laughs> but yeah, so I, I feel like we can't cover this without discussing that a little bit because I I wonder which one like did they did they start writing this and putting it kind of forward and then all of the mommy dead and dearest and the act come out and they were just like fuck or was it inspired by it is my question. So the original script was written in 2018, um, maybe starting in t- 2017, but it was uh, in June 2018 is when Lionsgate said that they were going to produce and distribute and finance it. Okay. Um, the Anish uh, Shiganti and Seb Ohanian had written the screenplay by then. Yeah. Um, so it seems like, and then like, yeah, I mean, they cast Sarah Paulson immediately after and then Kira Allen right after her. Yeah. Um, in December. So in six months, it went from announced to cast and then. Yeah. Uh, but basically, yeah, they just sort of like in six months had this thing uh, uh, written ra- or produced, shot and wrapped. Well, and it is a little bit different because of the beginning, how everything begins. Because Gypsy Rose was her mother's daughter biologically. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this is a little, this goes a little bit more into how, how grief can really affect you and just... It's a little bit different in the beginning, but but I kind of honestly think that if you've seen, um, if you've seen... Mommy Dead and Dearest or The Act, watching this is less surprising. Yeah. If I were to see this and didn't know anything about Gypsy Rose's story or anything, I'd probably be like, holy shit, this idea is crazy. Right. You know? Yeah. It, it It's a... I think there's a lot of good ideas in here. It's the same thing as to me as Mommy Dead and Dearest. It's like, okay, yeah, you just packed it into 90 minutes. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, The Act, which was what, 10 hours? Um, yeah, roughly? it was a and series. Then, so, yeah, yeah. Which was also on Hulu, right? So... Oh, yeah, it was. It was. So um, it seems like Hulu's got a real real bug up their butt for this stuff right now. I know. And then again, <laughs> I, I mentioned I mentioned earlier uh, Sharp, Sharp 
Sharp objects. Sharp objects. I always want to call it sharper image, and I'm like, no, that's a store at the mall. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, sharp objects too had this almost like a subplot. Uh, again, I didn't see it, so I'm not sure. But um, everyone should. So, so yeah, I. It's it's interesting that a lot of these things have come out around similar times. I think I think sharp objects came out a little bit before, but it was based on a book, all of these things. But in, in that one, it has uh, Patricia Clarkson okay. playing playing the mother who right. Munchausen by proxy. And her daughter comes back to investigate these crimes of like babies and, and, and children being murdered. Sure. And a lot of stuff ensues and et cetera. Everyone should, should give it a shot. I thought it was fairly good. Um, Noise. But anyway, we've we've kind of just like we've had a lot of narratives come out recently ish, you know, in the last mm-hmm. like, 10 years about Munchausen's by proxy. Yeah, it sort of became I think that got, it got kind of zeitgeisty just because it was like something that people had never heard of. Because um, there was stuff about like Munchausen syndrome, yeah. like that happened. There was an episode of House that had that with it. Yes, and then we discovered Mommy Dead and Dearest, and everybody just, just starts going in on this idea, right? Death. Uh, it's like when people were like, "Oh, cannibalism is actually real," and then you get Hannibal. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 or yeah. Stuff like that, you know, like people actually do this, and there is because Hannibal is at least loosely based on a true story. Like it, it was inspired by or something like that, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering right. And there's all other kinds of stuff like that as well. Um, there, there's examples of that through history. But you get sort of these like horror zeitgeist moments. Yeah. Of taking the real life weird, horrible shit and uh, uh, dramatizing it. Yeah. And I mean, I do think that these types of movies thrive on that where what's the scariest part of this is that she's trapped. Yeah. She is insane. Yeah. She is trapped and doesn't doesn't really know it because think about it. You only know your upbringing. To a certain degree until you go to school, which she does not, until you, you know, interact with just other people and you learn how other children live. Yeah. You don't really know. Or if you watch TV, but she doesn't do that. She gets 30 minutes of... She she goes to see movies with her mom. Yeah. So her mom can also control which movies they see. Yeah. You know? So... She is severely trapped and doesn't really know it. And we're watching someone come to that realization and also being betrayed by the only person in her life, really, other than this fucking mailman. Right. You know, like it's it's completely it's completely scary and it's relatable enough for people to really latch on to it. Absolutely. Um, That being said, the story structure of this movie is just a a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Um, It. I, I like what they're trying to do, but the way that they... So basically, they take what should be a third act reveal and shove it at the end of the second, and then there's a very long third act that's all kind of just, like, do stuff, but it's way too long, and it keeps going. You know, like, the it's the constant... Um, the multiple escapes and things like that, right? Like... Yeah. I mean, there's three different uh, confinements and escapes. Yeah. Um, and that's just... It's so much. Like, it... it it's something that I think cert, uh, certain audiences really enjoy yeah. in a, what, from a thriller film mm-hmm. is where they go like, oh, well, how's it going to happen next? How's it going to happen next? How's it going to happen next? Is she getting it out this time? Is she it? Is she it? Is she? Is she? And it's like, oh, my God, just fucking yes or no, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe two. You know, you can have your you can have your red herring one and then you have your second one. The double red herring is just a, a goddamned nightmare. 
That's um, fair. And putting her in the basement in the first place would have been the better call, right? Yeah, like, I agree. Um, skip that one with the mailman. Um, and again, I, it just felt like padding. Um, That's fair. And they, I felt like they rushed through the story beats. They got them all. Yeah. But they could have taken their time with it. A thriller should typically be tight on like like that's the sort of the, the agreed upon uh, theory is that keep your thrillers very short. Yeah, because um, you'll lose the audience if you don't. Makes sense. Yeah. But this one had enough to it. There was enough meat to that. Both the cast and the uh, the I guess the the meta structure of the story or the, not the meta structure of the story. The um, there's enough meat to the cast and to uh, and like acting wise to sort of build out these moments and take moments to live yeah. in mm-hmm. and this movie never feels lived in um yeah i think that's what really bothers me about it and that's i think why the story structure is kind of garbage yeah. um things come things are revealed at the wrong time either too early or too late they're kind of don't really give us a reason for we don't get a reason for chloe to be as suspicious as she is Right. Unless we live in that mo- in those moments longer, right? Like we do mm-hmm. get the repeated motif of her racing to the front door to get uh, to see the mailman, and then like we get that nice moment where Sarah Paulson is clearly sprinted out of her car to get the mail before she does. Yeah. Because like, the, the doorbell is still ringing on her uh, on her Volvo, but like <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things of like I just think yeah I just I, th- I think that the story structure really needed more work and maybe that's just being a young director mm-hmm. um, and this being your second feature film and it was seems like it was a bit of a rushed production yeah that's uh, what I was gonna bring up so I think for me what I really just don't love about this film is that uh, it doesn't give itself space to breathe yeah like we were talking about this with music the other day on Thanksgiving mm-hmm. we we're talking about how um, music doesn't take rest anymore like you don't get and I've, I've said this about musical theater, too, and why a lot of reason I think that musical theater's music is in dire need of an update is because even when the music's great, singers don't let the music go. Singers oh, want to sing. Yeah. That's, um, uh, and that's kind of how I feel about this, is that this is that people who direct horror films typically want to just keep doing the thing. And it's like, no, 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 let me live in it. Let me feel that. Let me get that dread going. Because if you keep moving me through the story, just shoving me along, railroading is the term yeah. that's used a lot. That it's I like don't cooking. get time to, yeah, exactly. Sometimes things just need to uh, marinate, and yeah, yeah I, I remember that conversation on Thanksgiving because like an older song came on that starts with starts very rhythmically, and it's just like bump, rest, bump, 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 rest, and we start talking about like, mm-hmm. oh man, a lot of like that's almost more impactful than like a beat drop. Yes, like oh, we. Was it, Will you love me tomorrow? Wasn't it? No, it wasn't that. Um, it might have. I'm I'm honestly so not that one starts sure. That way. That's why I was but thinking. it's. I don't know. It was in that era, though. Yeah, definitely. It was in like the uh, um, um, the Supremes, like that that whole. Yeah, you're whole... you're coming out of big band, moving into R and B. Yeah, and that's where we got Detroit Soul. Yeah, yeah, we got a lot of really good stuff. Then. Yeah. Um, but no, I I agree with you. I I do like kind of the. I like how they set it up and how we have the male thing and we get her routine and we get just you know we we it's very established here. But yes. um, but then they do start rushing. And I agree with you with the mailman stuff. I, I like that every single time, obviously in a thriller, the um, the captures ha- and the and the hostage, the hostage situations have to escalate every time or you're going to lose us. Yes. But I do agree with you that we don't need the first one. I think the one where it doesn't do anything. It, it really yeah. doesn't. 
Yeah, it really, yeah, it almost would have been stronger to not have that. Um, and then having the last two be the basement and then the hospital, which is the big mm-hmm. one. I think that's, I think that would have sufficed. I think you're right. I think it does, it does feel a little bit like padding. Uh, but the Especially acting in had, this, though. The, yeah, that's sort of what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that the acting is so strong. Very that we, strong. I know they could have carried it for longer. And the cinematography is really strong. Like, yeah. give us more scenes of Diane in the basement. We don't just need one of those. Like, yeah. let's establish that a little more. Let's find out why she's grimacing while she watches these films. I know, yeah. That's... I wanna, I want, and I realize they're trying to, like, play it close to the vest of, like, this isn't her kid. She's not always been able... She She's not always been uh, disabled. Yeah. Uh, at least not in the way that we see her um, using a wheelchair. But, yeah. Um, <coughs> sorry. Ow. <clears throat> um, but yeah, like we, we do see her. I was commenting earlier in the uh, when we the first time we see Chloe, when we meet her, the first shot with her, I was like, well, she's m- clearly moving her legs. Yeah. So, and I was curious as to whether or not they had cast a disabled actor. Yeah. Um, turns out they did. Fantastic. Good job. But I was like, oh, did they, is this someone who actually is disabled and knows how to get out of bed? Because it, it did feel like that. But it was also a question of like, mm, is this someone who is not disabled and doesn't know how to, doesn't like, hasn't like studied how to use your, how to use uh, legs with uh, less use? Yes. And I, I want to, I want to talk about that for sure because, <laughs> okay. So when they were casting this movie, there were young young actors mm-hmm. and i'm just going to assume that this was um this was put on by agents and managers sure uh pushing them to star in a in a horror thriller with sarah with paulson with sarah paulson like that's going to do just a ton of shit for your career well in an interview casting said that they would see these young actors and be like, wow, they're like, you know, they're really talented. They're, you know, they, they would be great in this role. And then they would check their Instagram and not even an, an hour before they viewed their tape or saw them in person at, at an audition, mm-hmm. um, saw them running on the beach. <laughs> so, so they were, they pretending were faking to be... a disability. They put on their resume for this audition that they were wheelchair users that's what i have to say Fuck too that goddamn shit my sentiments exactly but it's like when i found out darren chris was straight oh <laughs> amazing um yeah no it's just it's shit like that that i'm glad that i good on casting for this honestly to yeah, like to do like, their goddamn no. homework yeah and i'm sure a lot of it was covering their asses uh, thank God that well, that's yeah, something they think just, about now. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's it's just it's not okay. It's never been okay. But yeah, it's like um Eddie Redmayne when he played Stephen Hawking. Oh yeah. Um, apparently, like really fucked up his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, uh, shout out to our friend Sam Yates. Um, actually, I should say Doctor Sam Yates. <laughs> so many doctors. Uh, but he is a dear friend of mine that I've known um for over a decade, and we uh he his main work um. His like dissertation and a lot of his uh, his courses that he teaches and uh, articles that he writes are about uh, what he calls or what he terms as uh, disabled and crip media. Mm-hmm. Um, like he has one called uh, Cripping Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, terms I'm not super comfortable. Like, Crip's not one I'm, I'm super comfortable using. It just doesn't sort of feel like my word. But uh, that's I, I'm quoting what he his yeah, things are termed you're... right. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about queerness and disability and all of that. Um, and he had a lot of great things to say about the most recent uh, uh, iteration of Oklahoma, 
on oh, Broadway. Cool. Yeah, um, yeah, that was huge. Yeah, but it's the idea that it's pushing past this idea that uh, just because somebody is disabled or has you know less use of their body than we would expect someone to, or mm-hmm. what we consider to be you know, normal or able-bodied, yeah, uh, doesn't mean that they are unable or like that's not the disability is not in their acting. <laughs> you know, yeah. like there's not yeah. an acting muscle that's uh, atrophied yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's really his work is really amazing. You should uh, try and find what you can of his. Um, but it was cool to talk to him a little bit about this movie as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, for myself, make sure I got the nomenclature right. Even though I've known him as long as I have, I still want to make sure that I'm using the correct term terminology. Well, it changes sometimes. So it's always good to ask yeah, someone. Updates, yeah. There are updates um, as we grow and evolve as a society and understand more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's always it's always smart to yeah and it was a little uh, so speaking about the disability representation in this film it's a little weird for me mm-hmm. um i'm not sure how to feel about it um because chloe it sort of feels like the extra special extra special disabled person sort of thing mm-hmm. it, it smacks a little of that i'm not accusing it of it like the the all out right like this isn't the the kid this isn't rain man Right. Um, Or like, you you know, you'll hear people think of uh, talk about I've said this myself and it's it's a very, very bad thing to say and a very negative or like uh, harmful mindset to have. Uh, But referring to your mental illness as your superpower. Oh, yeah. Right. People with anxiety are like, oh, no, but I can see everything that could go wrong so I can prepare for all of it. It, it, It's not. (laughs) And I don't like it when it's framed that way. Yeah. because it, it, it the and the real reason for that is is a cultural impact. It makes it seem it makes it easier for people to to dismiss you as being uh, if you've got depression, you're lazy. If you've got anxiety, you're just like you're just worried too much. You should just breathe. If you right and like having her, you know, it's a triumphant moment that she gains regains partial use of her legs because mm-hmm. that was taken from her. Yeah, it's a little tough for me to swallow what that narrative means and for her to do it back to diane right i understand the revenge completely that is a totally justified revenge Mm -hmm. dramatically speaking yeah and emotionally speaking it's very hard for me to believe that someone who had been forced into being forced into using a wheelchair right by a situation that we would not normally believe to be the case Mm -hmm. right like it's not she, she was not paralyzed from birth Right. Uh, she was not paralyzed by an accident. She was paralyzed on purpose. Yeah. I, I, it's a, I'm, my thoughts are a little scattered here, mm-hmm. but I do have a hard time believing that someone would then inflict that on another person. Right. Um, and it, it, I don't like the way the narrative feels there. Does that make sense? No, it's definitely fair. It's definitely conflicting. And I think that, again, it goes back to a lot of people want to have characters in... in they want to see characters in a good, bad binary. Right. And I think that it's it's okay for us to be like, ooh, that's not... I get the revenge again, but like that's also just not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe Chloe's not a great person. She yeah, had, yeah, you absolutely. Know? It's it's more the, the, the cultural narrative that I'm, I'm concerned about. Like I, whether or not oh, she's yeah. a good person, I don't care about um, as much. It's not really the No, I get it. It sends, it's the, it sends a weird message. A weird message, yes. I'm not going to say it's the right or wrong either. one, but it doesn't feel like the right one mm-hmm. um, for her to be. It, it just feels like that, yeah, that sort of like triumphant disabled person yeah. thing. Um, yeah. Or the very, very special disabled person and all of these different like um, people like 
we you talk about like uh, disability porn and things like that, right? Yeah. Um, where you'll see kids getting uh, cochlear implants for and hearing for the first time. Yeah. What that reinforces is that deafness is not normal, right? Yeah. yeah. And this this uh, this sort of seems to imply that wheelchair use is not normal, and neither of those things are true because they are normal because they happen all the time. Yeah. Um, for instance, Sam is deaf. Mm-hmm. Um, he has an implant that makes one ear function, but is completely deaf in the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, there that's something that he and I have talked a lot about. And actually, like, I had I've worked with deaf kids most of my I worked with deaf kids when I was younger, and then I've had uh, been friends with the deaf community for a long time um, in various ways. And so that's something that like comes up to me a lot mm-hmm. when I watch anybody with a disability in film um, and that it's something to overcome and it's something to, to, to beat. Right. Yeah. And it's not, it's just the way you're built. Yeah. And it's, it's something that comes up with me for mental illness of like, yeah, I've got pretty, uh, not severe depression, but pretty pronounced pr- depression. Right? right. It's not something to beat. It's something I live with. It's something I go through every single day. I go to therapy, I get medication, yeah. but it's not, it doesn't make me less of a person. And I think that that's what it's seen as. And that's where I have a real problem with like the way that that goes, I guess. I it's, think, it's, a, it's a weird story beat is all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I think that's completely fair because it's a, it's a weird message because throughout the rest of the movie, honestly, Chloe has, Chloe is incredible incredibly intelligent has so much agency has so much will to get what she wants she's you know she wants to get out and go to college she wants to do all of these things and she fights like fucking hell and and the wheelchair is not the problem no the wheelchair is not the problem but it feels like it represented her imprisonment by them having her do that i think that's what i was trying to get to Sorry. yeah i didn't mean to cut you off but that's i, I finally clicked the thought in my head of like, yeah no i why is the wheelchair representative of her imprisonment yeah and so I, it is a weird message because they've written this very deep, well-rounded character. A person, yeah. A, yeah, and in both of them. Mm-hmm. And so their character development is good, but it's just, I get what you're saying. It's a little, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I do, I do want to read um, a little bit from this interview with Absolutely, Kira yeah. Allen. Yeah. Um, because she she is a wheelchair user. Yeah. And so here's what she had to say. Here's the question um, or the comment. We don't often see an actor who uses a wheelchair in real life in this type of role in a major thriller. She's and the second ever, actually, since I think the first one was like 1928. Yeah. Sorry. So she says, uh, it feels like it's going to be the first time a lot of people in my generation ever see a real wheelchair user on screen playing a wheelchair user. This Mm -hmm. is a huge, it's a huge honor. Uh, There is so little media representation of people with disabilities that I feel like I'm representing an entire community because of this lack of visibility. I'm really hoping that this movie brings down some barriers and that more disabled people are cast in major movies. And she then she was asked, what did you think of the movie's portrayal of disability? And she said, this film is unusual in the way it portrays disability, not only in the authenticity of casting, but in the story. This is not a girl who's made to be a victim or who's only there to inform another character's journey. She defines her own journey. Her disability is a part of that, but it doesn't define who she is. It's similar to the way I view myself. Okay. 
And she said that she had a really positive experience on set. She said everyone listened. They wanted to know how best to accommodate me and how to make everything comfortable and accessible. There were things that they thought of that I hadn't even thought of. So we had great communication throughout. They approached me about sending a memo to the crew, just being like, here are a few things about working with a person with a disability to make everything go smoothly. For instance, don't push my chair. Don't come behind me and push my chair without asking first. Just Mm -hmm. putting out... Uh, just putting out one small page of information made a huge difference. Uh, so it's wonderful that she was treated really well on um, on set. It's, it's it's it should not be something that we have to say like oh it's so nice to hear. But no, everyone should be treated well on set. But we also know that it, there's always a possibility that nobody's being treated well on set. Think about um, the pro- Psycho. Yeah, and I was just saying how that, that how went. How many times do we talk about <laughs> that? Didn't go film well. Productions that fuck everybody up for life. Yeah, that did not go well. So the the one one last thing I want to say from this interview, and we can link it if you guys want to read the whole thing. Um, she seems like a very wonderful, insightful actress. Um, so. How did your real life experience or the nuances of your life get translated into or help shape the role? And she said, the script was already written so beautifully in this way. As soon as I read it, I emailed the director and was like, this is one of the best representations of a disabled character I've ever seen. And regardless of if I'm right for the role or not, I cannot wait for people to see this. And then she goes on to say, and so even though it was already so compelling to me when we got onto set, they made space for me to say things like, this is how it would be most comfortable for me to do this, or I would use this word and not this word. Like very right. small things because the script was already so good, but things that did make a difference to me. So it was kind of cool that they also yeah. collaborated with her. We love her collaboration, and, yeah. You know, they didn't just see her as, you know, a prop a prop yeah in their <laughs> in their production so it sounds like this movie had it was very well intentioned but i also do agree with you with the kind of mixed message on yeah, just that third act is kind of mixed that um, yeah the stinger really even mm-hmm. it's just it's a bit mixed and i know that i am not the person to comment on it entirely uh and i'm hardly an expert or the final say on any of this it's just something i wanted to point out yeah absolutely um i guess that about wraps this up huh yeah, I don't have any other. I don't have any other notes. Yeah, um, I I would definitely recommend seeing this. It's 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 ninety minutes long. It's, yeah, it's, it's nice and easy. It's nice and easy. It's a good. I I think it's it's probably a good movie for people who maybe aren't even really into horror thrillers to get into. So if you have that friend, it's a very accessible horror film. Yeah, yeah. if you have that friend who maybe likes American Horror Story but isn't really hasn't really crossed over to. Uh, horror films themselves. I'd say this is less horror than horror, American Horror Story for sure. I would agree with that actually, um, but you know what I mean. That maybe that this is accessible, like that. Yeah, no, this is like a Hitchcock style thriller for yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh God, I've just I just remembered. I just saw that they're remaking Rebecca, or they've remade Rebecca, right? With Lily James. Okay. Lily Collins. No, that was. I don't know. Anyway, I just saw that they had remade it, and I'm like, this is gonna be so fucking bad. Jesus Christ. There's just right. certain things. I don't know. Like, there's certain things that, like, it's not the team I would pick to remake Rebecca. And they're technically readapting it from the original novel, but I'm just like, fuck off. <laughs> right. Hitchcock did a great job with it. Let's just let that be the canon. Yeah, everyone's not liking... Not to gatekeeper, like, per, like, be a pretentious dick, but, like, ugh. Everyone's liking to remake things right now, like the, the witches and uh, the craft. And, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's kind of... 
doing that at the moment. I do, uh, after seeing this, I do maybe want to check out uh, Sarah Paulson's other show, Ratchet, based on One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Nurse Ratchet. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm just, I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, I'll watch anything with her in it. Um, Netflix has been losing me a lot lately. That's fair. Every time I watch something from them, I'm just like, oh, here's how this could have been better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So yeah, you guys know where to find us. We are on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast. We are on Twitter at Horror Babes Pod. And you can always find us at HorrorBabesPod.com. Until next time. Bye, bye babes. babes. Yeah, babe. Yeah, babe.